Welcome to Let's Get Social with me, Philip Twyver, to the Curly Marketer, social media strategist and management. And me, Emer Duffy of Fit Social Media, your social media personal trainer. So if you're confused about social media or not sure what channels to use, well, we've got you covered on Let's Get Social. Mr. Twyford, uh, we are still apart. We are still apart. And it's summer. Yeah, I know. I know. Sometimes you wonder about the weather. It's the Irish summer. You know, I packed my brolly and wellies. <laughs> They're in waiting there by the hall, you know. <laughs> so. Why is it raining over with you? God, it's sunny here. You know, uh, oh, really? the kids. Oh, yeah, the kids are off. And, and as I say, it is healthful where I live. It's lovely, nice weather. And able to sit outside and pretend you're doing pretend you're doing some work yes. what about you are you doing any work that's a good point actually i've started to paint the kitchen uh, i like painting i've hired very uh, therapeutic um maybe it's just me but i always kind of find i've say done some painting on the walls or you know in a room it, you sort of can stand back and go wow actually look what i've done i've achieved something um my wife has stopped asking me to build stuff because i'm more of a demolitions expert you know, oh, if, I, if I put okay. up a cupboard or a shelf, I take most of the wall away. So, uh, so yeah, if, if you need any demolition, Zemer. No, 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 no. You, you do enough of a demolition. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, what's the word? Effort uh, every week. And as I said, I wish you was in the garden right now. Before uh, you say anything, just tell me you're not going to dig a hole for yourself with this one. No, 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 definitely not. But I think, I think, I think you and our special guest is going to like this particular joke. So, um, so will I kick it off for you, Marie? I know you've been waiting for this. Uh, this is uh, your favorite part of the show. Dum, dum, dum. Okay, go, go, go. Yeah, let's go for it. Okay. <laughs> Imer, have you heard about the tech startup that's trying to disrupt the honey marketing industry? Do you know they go on and on about the authenticity of their bees and their next generation leading edge hive? If you ask me, Imer, it's all buzzwords. <laughs> Terrible. Uh, and as ever, all I have to say is if you find today's social media joke anyway engaging, if you do, and you'd love more of them, say you don't, you are in luck. You can catch Philip's previous social media jokes and indeed our other shows by hopping onto our podcast on the Let's Get Social show on Podbeam, iTunes, Spotify, and on the Dublin South FM website. I think you liked that joke. You know, like, like, like what is marketing? It is all buzzwords, isn't it? You know, it's mm. kind of authenticity and engagement. And, you know, I think we need to... Uh, you just start kind of using simple language. Isn't that right, Emer? That's what we like to use. Uh, all I hear is buzz, buzz, buzz. But anyway, um, I know our special guest uh, <laughs> likes gardening, but I don't know if she feels the same about your joke, though. We'll probably soon find out, yeah. I probably uh, would be uh, fired as the joke meister on this show. But uh, but yeah, no, uh, we do have a special guest um, and we are delighted to be joined by the founder of a social media agency called Bramble Buzz. And I apologize for the joke. Um, she's a strategist and a trainer. Um, she helps small businesses to get smart online so that they can easily attract inquiries, customers and sales without feeling pushy or spending all day either networking or tapping out and never content. So she helps you to avoid feeling yucky or salesy without creating a vat full of content that no one's going to read without mega complicated pixels or funnels or conversion clicky things. I like it already. And that's not all. She's a regular contributor to publications such as the Social Media Examiner. She's a fun keynote speaker at events, which is very edutaining. I've heard her. And as well, she's an ex-forensic scientist and a mum of six. What does this woman not do? Wow, I tell you, I feel so full of unachievements. <laughs> Julia Bramble, you're so welcome to Let's Get Social. <laughs> a forensic scientist. <laughs> my goodness, what have I got on my locker? Nothing. <laughs> Did a bit of kickboxing, Julia, if that's any use. <laughs> that sounds great. <laughs> Thank you for having me. <laughs> so, Julia, before we kick things off, we ask our guests um, yeah. their opinion of the social media comedian. Well, what can I say? You've brightened up my day. <laughs> I love it. You're love buzzing, it. are you, Julia? Absolutely. <laughs> it's a tell you, it's a cliche after cliche, isn't it? Already in the scent, it's in this opening, oh, yeah. you know. But uh, oh yeah. But no, Julia, thank you so much. Thank you so much for 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 joining us because your intro there, I think, is particularly well. I think it resonates with a lot of our audience uh, because that's very much what we try to do with the Let's Get Social show is to 
bring simple solutions, use non-jargony word. And I think your kind of your ethos with how you approach social media with your clients seems to be very much a similar um, a similar piece. Um, but I suppose we'd love you to tell us and your audience, you know, you know how you came to be wearing so many hats and how do you fill it all in? Um, yes. Okay. Very potted history then. So I'm a, a scientist by training. Um, I actually got a PhD working on some plant virus that made barley go spotty back in the day. And I sort of fell from that into working in the forensic science service, which was absolutely brilliant. It was really good fun. It was a really good job. And part of that role was to train up reporting officers who went to court. So I was working with the Metropolitan Police. So the people that go to court there end up in some of the highest courts in the land with the the mm. most hard to persuade judges and juries potentially in the land as well. But I didn't opt for a training role. I was just dropped in it from a great height. So I was working on this new technique that was just a very a small group of us working on this technique. And all of a sudden, they decided that I was going to be training up the reporting officers. So I had to go away, dream up a training course and deliver it. And these reporting officers wouldn't have gone to court to talk about the stuff had they not been satisfied. But long story short, they ultimately were. And I realized that one of the things that I really loved doing was taking um, something that could appear to be quite complicated, but actually explain it in a way that someone could then feel confident enough about it to explain it themselves and put it into practice in court. Um, That was part of my role. And it was a brilliant, it was a brilliant time there, but it was an agency of the home office and it ended up restructuring and eventually it folded, but I got out before it folded um, while it was restructuring. And at that stage, I was only doing one day a week anyway. So I got out. I still wanted to bring in some money. I still needed to bring in some money, but I wanted to actually work around the children. So at that time, I started looking at doing my own thing, but I didn't want to just like launch into the world of business without knowing anything about it. So I thought I might buy into a franchise. So I started looking at lots of different franchises and ended up on the email list of all these small businesses and people who've got franchises and people who are marketing them. And I started to get lots of emails through about small business and marketing. At the same time, my eldest was turning 13 and she wanted to get her own Facebook account because that was what was happening. And I hadn't really looked at social media until then because I had six kiddos, um, the youngest of whom was under one. So I hadn't had time to breathe apart Mm. from anything else. But I started looking at it. And at the same time, I was getting these emails through about marketing and they started to mention social media as well. So I just kind of put two and two together, went off to do a little bit of training and the rest is history, really. So that's how come I ended up making the switch from forensic science into what I do now. And I turned it into something that would work around the children. I'm still not sure, like nearly 10 years on, that I've got it right because it's a constant learning curve, isn't it? Oh, God, yeah. Juggle. Um, But yeah. I try every day to make it work and that's about where we are. (laughs) Listen, every day is a learning day. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. That's some pivot though all the same, like to go from from forensic science to to this, you know. um, Yeah, it seriously was. But forensic science, certainly the side I was in a lot was um, research and development. And that's all about taking, if you like, the, the new tech out there that's working really well and turning it into something that's actually going to work really reliably every day in a sort of simple way to give results. So to get a sort of much more process-driven, reliable thing out of this new shiny tech. So that's ultimately what I end up doing with my clients with social media because they don't want to have to go out there and research all the new shiny things. They just want the bits that are going to work in an easy way for them. So the process is a similar, even if the details different. Yeah. Well, I suppose like, yeah, I could, yeah. sorry, Maria, go on. Yeah. No, I was going to say, it's just like, there are, you know, it's, it's like I would ha- have people come to me for training and they go, Oh, well, how do I do this, this and this? And you just go, look, I'm just going to give you the things you need, you know, yeah. otherwise your head would be spinning, you know, yeah. mm. you don't get the foundations right. You're just not going to be able to, and I'm going to say it, Philip, ice the cake, you know, um, it just oh, won't work. Yeah, absolutely. But I think there are some some social media people that forget that and they just want to 
fill their clients' heads or fill their audiences' heads with all, you know, the new shiny, shiny things that are going on. And I think it's just in- mm. encouraging people maybe sort of skip through those things. And as you say, not think, think about the foundations. Yeah. So, I mean, like Philip and I, you know, we would be asked this question quite a bit. Um, and it was actually, I wanted to ask you because it actually came to mind when I read a blog of yours, which was, what's the best social media network for my business? which I thought was so apt. So for anyone listening who hasn't read it or seen the video you have with it, which is quite really good, what's your advice then? Well, a few years ago, the standard advice for this would be, or go and research and find out what social media networks your audience, the people you want to attract to you, uh, what networks they're actually using. Mm -hmm. But now it's so much more homogenous. I would say that a lot of people are following brands and businesses and other people, not just on one social media platform, but maybe on two or three. So while that's still general good advice, I think we've also got to think about how are we as businesses or solopreneurs, to use that word, going to be able to create content consistently that's going to attract people? How are we going to be able to maintain a presence on a social media network that's going to have sort of energy and vibe to it? So an important factor to add into that melting pot is also what type of content can you create and what's actually going to suit that individual platform and to also think about what results you actually want to achieve because obviously some platforms are better than others. Mm -hmm. How much do you actually want to be putting into the day-to-day? So say, for example, would you rather be putting in maybe a lot of work up front, say, to get to know Facebook ads and to get them running and then maybe not to have to put in so much time every day to make sure that they're working for you Or are you happy to be putting in a certain amount of time every day to get the results you want? For example, if you're going to be using Instagram or LinkedIn, which will be working best if you can actually go in and engage with people Mm -hmm. every single day. So be guided by the type of results you want, the type of time and effort you've got available to you to put into that network but also to think about the type of content that you find easy to produce that's kind of going to naturally tie in with you or your business or your resources to be able to produce it so can you easily create for example lovely images that are going to draw people in on Instagram or are you going to be able to create Instagram stories or are you more about creating blogs, for example, that you would rather drive people to, in which case Instagram isn't necessarily going to be your number one choice, given that you can only have one link on it and that's in your bio. So it's considering all those different aspects. Yeah, because I I always say, you know, um, you know, are you B2B or B2C? You've got to consider things like that and look at where your competitors are. Are they getting more engagement, say, as you say, Instagram, if you're very visually based? Um, because I find B2C works great for Instagram. Yeah, it does. Although there's some, there's some cool B2B stuff on there as well. It depends, depends how creative you are. So it, it depends again on the resources you've got available mm-hmm. to you, doesn't it? If you've got some real creative whiz, um, mm-hmm. and maybe someone who's great at taking photos and stuff on your team, then Instagram could be a great one to explore, whichever mm-hmm whichever sector you're in. But if you're wanting to be sending lots of people across to your website, then maybe you might want to be thinking about Twitter or LinkedIn if you're in B2B rather than Instagram as your first choice. Mm. Like I certainly, I think uh, as we here in Ireland are starting to, business starting to open up again, you know, or they're yeah. coming down the timeline uh, to open up. Um, do you find... Uh, like certainly we've seen it over here. Obviously, Zoom has exploded as a as a channel of yeah. webinars, as a, as a content medium has suddenly, you know, taken off. Have you seen anything from your side? I know you're in, in a lovely part of the world in Devon there, but uh, have you seen sort of any kind of changes where suddenly certain channels that may need on to be used because of COVID, uh, et cetera? I've certainly seen, um, as you have, a massive growth in the use of zoom and video conferencing so microsoft teams has been quite popular as well Mm -hmm. um certainly for having conversations with clients and i think businesses are using microsoft teams quite a lot within their business as well i've noticed a lot of business networking groups 
um, switch, obviously, from their offline groups to having online networking meetings. And people who weren't necessarily running any networking at all, I've noticed, have started running networking groups and they're meeting up on Zoom regularly. And they do seem to be doing really well as a way of, of people connecting together. Um, also, of course, the virtual conference has really taken off, hasn't yeah. it? Because of all those conferences that were organized that couldn't take place yeah. in yeah. real life. So we've seen Zoom being used a lot for that, but also, again, Facebook Live, um, Facebook mm-hmm. live streams being used an awful lot. And when COVID, when the pandemic first hit, an awful lot of people were using Instagram Live. I don't know whether you saw that as well, but if you went onto Instagram, then almost immediately you were hit with so-and-so's gone live, so-and-so's gone live, so-and-so's gone live. It's right, calmed yeah. down again now. But I think everyone suddenly thought, oh my goodness, I've got to be there. I've got to be live. I've got to be authentic. I've got to be like connecting with people. I've got to be providing all this stuff. So it has calmed down again now. But with the virtual conference, I think people are exploring all the sort of alternative video tools that are available. We've got this Facebook Rooms thing now, yeah. which I'm tried, mm. I have to say, but I know a lot of people are trying that as an alternative to Zoom. And Andrew and Pete had their Atomic um, conference when they couldn't hold it in real life. But what they did as part of that conference was actually to hold a watch party. So the keynote speech was pre-recorded, but then it was actually run as a watch party within the Facebook group. So you could chat actually with the person who'd been speaking mm-hmm. um, while their keynote speech was going on, which actually gave you a whole nother layer, which you wouldn't normally get at a conference. So I think all these tools have suddenly seen an explosion in interest. And I think for small business owners who've maybe never dipped their toe in this yeah. side of social media before, it's been really eye-opening and hopefully shown them that well, A, what's possible and B, that it's not scary. And and this sort of stuff is applicable to them as much as it is to the bigger brands. Yeah, because I think, you know, the small business owner will probably think, oh, yeah, well, I'm not, gonna, I'm not going to get involved with Zoom. But okay. um, what I wanted to ask you was, because we were talking earlier about uh, B2C businesses, um, it's all about building relationships with yeah. their customers. So in your view, what can B2B businesses be doing to build on that through social media? Is it doing the lives? Is it doing uh, video watch parties? What, what would you suggest? B2C, I think lives, yeah, lives are great because you get that instant reaction with people. It's a way for them to see you obviously live and authentic and real and you can get that that feel of, of yeah being able to connect in the moment. So that's fabulous. But for a live to work, of course, people need to know that it's going to be happening. The best way to hold a live is to let is to give people advance notice that it's going to yeah. happen because that's just that's just showing them the common courtesy that they can book out time in their calendar if you would like them to attend rather than suddenly saying to them, oh, look, we're going to do this and we're going to showcase this and we're going to showcase that. And then if they can't make it, they'll be thinking, oh, you know, rubbish, I'm missing out on all this good stuff. So much mm-hmm. better to let them know. And then, of course, you get an audience to, to bounce things off. So live is great. Um, but I know that not everybody is up for doing live. So mm-hmm. creating any form of video is brilliant. It doesn't People think that it's got to be your face to the camera with live and and or with video. But again, it doesn't have to be. There are so many tools out there now that allow you to create video maybe from images or maybe just to um, take little video clips Mm. and stitch them all together and put wording over the top. Or something like Apple Clips where you can actually talk and the, the clips will take your voice and turn it into captions. Again, you can have your face talking in the, in the image, but it doesn't have to be. You could turn the camera around and have it on something else. So there are so many options now for creating video. The other thing that is great for engaging audiences, of course, especially in the B2C space, is the stories format. So we've got Instagram stories, of course, which has taken off hugely, um, Facebook stories is lagging behind, but it's there. Mm-hmm. And rumor has it, this won't necessarily be of a big impact for B2C, but rumor has it that LinkedIn is going to be launching yeah. its own stories as well. And we think Twitter's been also playing with the format. So that could be really interesting to see. 
But stories, um, oh, and Pinterest I've seen recently, they are launching their own sort of stories format, which seems to be half stories that we know and love in Instagram and half sort of how-to sort of instructional things. I think that's the way they want to position it. But stories so far on Instagram have got this feeling of being allowing the audience kind of much closer to you or the business. So it's this feeling of being allowed um, a sneak peek or being able to see behind the scenes or getting that um, content that not everybody else would be getting. So some people might show like snippets of their lives if they happen to be a solopreneur. Other businesses might show you sneak peeks into the way things are done behind the scenes or what they're prepping for for a launch. So you get this feeling of, of being a little bit privileged or being a little bit special Mm-hmm. Um, and being a little bit more mm-hmm. intimate maybe with that brand or that business. But then, of course, with the interactive tools that Instagram Stories gives you, like the questions and the polls, you can really easily encourage people to come back and engage with you. And then, of course, you can spring off from there into a one-to-one conversation in direct messages. So you've got an easy way to just instantly go from creating social media content actually to having a one-to-one conversation with somebody. Um, And even if they never turn into a customer of yours, it's just a fantastic way to build that that relationship with them and they could very well become a big advocate of yours in the future. And Instagram Stories, of course, is a great way also to create content that you can repurpose and use elsewhere because all those lovely stickers and Mm. GIFs and filters and everything they give you, of course, they can be really eye-catching if you use them elsewhere on different social media platforms. And put it this way, you can brand it and you can make it very, you know, uh, as you say, engaging with the stickers and that and then, you know, save it as a highlight and bring it back out again. So, you know, there's... Absolutely. you know, use those um, opportunities um, and you can, as you say, repurpose um, at another time, maybe a throwback. Um, yeah, absolutely. Or just save it to your phone and, and bring it out and use it on, on Twitter or, or wherever else you want to put a, little, a piece of content with a little bit of pizzazz. <laughs> yeah. yeah, just like Philip's jokes. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Like, uh, I'm still, I'm, I'm still, I'm still uh, buzzing after that joke. I must admit. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> um, like Julia, I suppose something I have noticed, um, especially when it comes to the business to business relationships, um, that struck me coming out of COVID nineteen or the new normal, if you want to call it that, was the fact that even things you were discussing, like Instagram stories, the ability to show your business as say being very authentic that the people behind the business using stories to show that um i kind of see that as being definitely i suppose a strategy that business should be trying to implement more uh to help communicate their brand identity and connect to their audience you know kind of would you agree and is there other things that you'd recommend that a business to business company should be using to kind of further highlight a brand identity and i suppose connect with an audience via social Yes, yes, thank you. Definitely. I think what we all need to remember is whether we are in a B2C space or whether we're in a B2B space or indeed whether we're selling products and services to both businesses and consumers, what we really need to remember is that the people that we want to attract and and interact with our human beings at the end of the day. And they don't differ. Whatever um, box we have decided to put them in as a business, they are actually humans. And I've been thinking about this the past couple of days, actually, because I know the larger businesses like to, or certainly have done, when they are in their sales process, they like to label people up, don't they? So there are people who are maybe on the periphery that they will have labeled up as a prospect. And then when they get a certain type of engagement from them, then all of a sudden they're a lead. And then they're going to do some work on that lead to try and turn them into a customer. And I was thinking, that feels really icky seeing it from the other side, thinking, oh, I'm a person that's seen by this business, but I'm not seen as a person. I'm just seen as like this thing that they're going to push through their process. And I'm thinking that's actually completely yuck. And businesses need to be turning that point of view around if they've got that at all in their psyche and actually thinking, well, how can we help? How can we serve? How can we build a community of people that we are actually central to who find value in what we do? And I think whether you're a small business or a big business, what we need to be doing is thinking we want to 
attract and interact with other human beings. And what do human beings do when they go onto social media? They immediately will be searching out the the posts or their updates from their friends because Mm -hmm. they're the people that they're actually seeking out. So if we want to be attracting people, if we want to be getting responses or engagement from people, if we want people to share our stuff, then we need to be appearing much more like a friend in their newsfeed than actually a business. So what does that mean? What would a friend be doing? Well, they might be sharing a funny story. They might be sharing something that they've just learned. They might be sharing some beautiful pictures of the local area. They might be sharing something that's that's really useful, that, that we might learn something from that's going to add value from our lives. And I think in a very simple form, you know, we can model that as businesses if mm-hmm. we actually want to be getting a response from people if we want to be attracting people in the first place. And then, of course, into the mix, we can add in those posts that talk more about us as a business or maybe what we've got to offer and how we can help. We can be adding in those pieces that position us as an expert where we can share hints and tips. But we need to be very much thinking much more about how can we appear to be more like a friend and more like a human being. Because I think if this pandemic has taught us anything, it's taught us just how much human beings value connection with other human beings over and above everything else. So we've seen celebrities um, creating stuff, performing or running quizzes or talking on the TV from their living rooms, right? All those layers of celebritydom, if you like, and varnish and perfectionism have just been stripped away. And we've just seen people interacting with people. And I think that that sense of just being people interacting with people is what's going to continue to be a marketing strength among those businesses and brands Mm. that grasp that and move forwards with that. You know, as I say, it is it is people buy from people that they kind of get to know, like, and trust. Um, I mean, you help businesses with their online presence so that they can attract their customers um, and hopefully get sales without looking pushy. This is a thing, you know. Um, yeah. I always say it's not sales media, it's social media. Um, yeah. Are there things you see that businesses are doing that they could be doing better? I think one thing that has been a thing. Uh, and and still is a thing now. And I think, I don't know where it started from, but there seems to be a thing that small business owners, especially are told, you've got to keep top of mind on social media. You've got to be like there all the time. Mm -hmm. And so there is this sense that they've got to continuously be pushing out stuff on social so that they're top of mind, so they're remembered. And they're thinking more about how much stuff they're pushing out than actually what that content is and whether it's of any value to their audience. But by the same token, value hasn't always got to be, and I've fallen prey to this as well. A lot of us think, oh, if it's going to be value, then it's got to be teaching something or sharing a tip. Value can also be um, lifting somebody up or making them laugh or maybe making them think differently or just encouraging them to have a nice conversation or discussion with other people in the comments. But I think a lot of businesses are still in this stage of thinking, I've just got to push out a load of stuff. Mm. And what they're doing then is they're not really adding value to people. So people aren't going to notice. They're not going to stop. They're not going to engage. And those businesses end up exhausting themselves and really just adding to all that noise, which of course is the problem in itself because it's very overwhelming as a space, social media. So I would suggest maybe sort of pulling it back in a little bit and actually thinking about, you know, having a little plan as to what you're going to share out there on social, what type of mix of content are you going to share out there so that you really are being more of a human brand and you're sharing stuff that's going to be of value rather than thinking about how much you're going to get out there all the time to be Mm. top of mind. Yeah, I totally agree. I think, um, like I know from an engaging content point, something that's always been something that's worked well for me has been video. Um, I, I enjoy video. I like making the video, editing it and getting it out there as such. Um, and from people I've talked to, I think the reason why they like to make the videos that I do is because they just get to see Philip as, as Philip as such, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. Like, I don't know, would you see, I suppose like from your point, Julia, you know, what do you see that, for business right now on social media and do you see a change kind of coming where 
Because one kind of area that we saw a lot of business making mistakes on, we felt myself for social media was that people were constantly kind of always kind of just going for the sale, you know. So yeah. on LinkedIn, someone someone's you get sale call, you know, as yeah. opposed to as you were saying, create engaging content, but kind of try and build the relationship. Exactly. Yeah. Focus on how can we bring this person in to get to know our brand, you know. So what would your thoughts be on that? Yeah, I think absolutely. There are still a lot of businesses who are going out there just pushing the sale all the time. And if they do get some sales from that, well, great, but that's very transactional. That person then buys from them and goes away again. If you actually draw people in and encourage people to get to know you, if they understand what you're about, what your values are, the way that you work, why you're different from other people in your sector, then they are going to value you for all those things, Mm. which means that Mm -hmm. they are going to be attracted to buying your product or service when the time is right, which won't always be now. And when you're just asking for the sale, you're just picking up that, that tiny proportion of people maybe who are ready to buy now. What you're doing when you're building relationships is you're building yourself an asset because you're building yourself a community who love what you do, who for them, you will be the obvious choice when the time is right to buy or when they hear somebody else who's got um, the need that, that you can help with, who's got that challenge that you can help with. So you're building yourself that asset. If you're always going for the sale, then you're not. You're just going to be putting people off. But the other really good side to building those relationships is that people will then be happy to pay for your product or your service when they understand the value that you bring and why you're different and everything else, when they love what it is that you do. They are not going to be sitting there saying, oh, why is your service 10 pounds more than than this person down the road or that person down the road? They're much more likely just to go for it, to, to understand it and to want to buy from your business without trying to get a discount all the time. So you can quite happily, you know, charge the prices that you want to charge without without thinking that you've got this horrible race to the bottom effect mm. that we see so yeah. often, don't we, with small businesses and local businesses. Mm. So if you're building up that community of people who love you, you can start to avoid that effect as well. And that really is building that asset there for your business that is going to help build in some resilience for what could be these turbulent times that are predicted ahead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's as, as um, you know, business is changing and evolving now because everybody's having to pivot. Maybe, you know, restaurants are now yeah. having to do takeaways and, um, yeah. and, and it's like social media is like that as well as you have to pivot within it. Um, so you're, you're like myself, you do training programs. So you would have businesses looking at Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, blah, blah, blah. Are you yeah. starting to see and I never thought I'd be talking about this um, because I, I have never been on the plot. I'm just, I don't know. My kids think it's great. Um, are you seeing more demand for that fabulous channel called TikTok? Well, you know what? Um, not from my clients, no, which I'm thankful <laughs> for because I'm not on it either. But I have seen, you know, out there in the ether, on social, on Facebook, in Facebook groups, on Twitter, I've seen a lot mm. of people asking questions about it. Um, a lot of them are sort of solopreneur type brands um, mm. and maybe serving a younger audience. So that's completely fine. My clients, a lot of my clients are interested in Instagram and the mm-hmm. parent can give them and Instagram stories because they Same can here. get stuck. Yeah. They don't really yeah. understand it. So I'm very happy with that. If I told them I was on there as well, they would just run away. Oh, yeah, same here, same here. I I keep saying Philip would be good on it. Yes. I was just saying there, I think uh, Big Ben is on TikTok, isn't he? Two jokes in one session. Two jokes in one episode, huh? He's on a roll. Well, no, I, like I think we've answered a very interesting question, actually, just talking about TikTok, because I think a lot of business, especially as was the small medium and even the entrepreneurs, I think they, there can be that fear factor. Oh, I better be on TikTok. I better be on yes. it was Vine. I better be on Snapchat. And it's kind of, well, if you want to be on there for your personal reasons or whatever, that's fine. But if you're there trying to maybe attract an audience who are never going to be on there, like Mike, when never 
be on TikTok. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of like, is it really the best to use your time? So I think once again, you know, I think it's kind of reverting back to an area that I love to talk about, which is strategy and social yeah, media yeah. strategy. And um, I suppose when you're kind of from the train, Ellen, Julian, obviously managing clients and helping clients who maybe have no understanding of starting points with a social media strategy, how do you sort of maybe advise say, a startup business or your clients when it kind of comes to looking at the strategic side of social media? Well, the first question we have to ask, don't we, and I'm sure you do this as well, is actually what they want to achieve from their social mm-hmm. because without knowing that, then you've got nothing to build from, have you? Um, yeah. And of Very course, true. it seems to us the obvious question, but so many businesses I find have have kind of jumped on because they've been told it's a good thing to do or they, you know, they, they read, you've got to be on social or whatever. So they've just jumped on and they're just kind of doing it and expecting things mm. to happen, but they don't really know what it can offer. I think there is a mm. basic lack of discussion around that, shall we say, for small businesses in terms of what social could actually do for you because it's almost like the world is your oyster isn't it on social to be fair so what it could do for you what it could reasonably do for you you know let's talk resources and let's talk what you know what we can viably do day to day and then out of that you know what would be the best for your business going forward you know what are you looking to do over the next six months stroke year um are you just looking to get customers through the door as quickly as you possibly can or if you you know if you've got other irons in the fire what else is going on um and one side that i think a lot of businesses don't necessarily think about is also who within their sector or beyond it would they love to be in contact with and interacting with who could maybe potentially if they built up relationships with them who could be maybe opening doors for them or who are they already I've had this a couple of times that um, businesses have already been maybe working with people who have got um, quite a degree of influence, but they're not leveraging that on social at all. So who are mm. they already working with? So it's, it's, get it, it's doing that audit of where they are now, mm-hmm. all the potential that they've got now, all the assets that they've got now, um, the assets that they could easily produce and where they want to be, say six months down the line or a year down the line, and then turning that into a simple plan to be implemented in the realms mm-hmm. of their business. Because again, I think as social media people, the temptation is to say, oh, but you could be doing this, you could be doing this, you could be doing this, you're doing this. And like the poor business owner or is left with no time to actually run their business at all. So yeah. we've got yeah. to, we've got to create something that is actually viable as well. But it does come down to that one question about in the end about what it is that they actually want to achieve once they understand Mm -hmm. what the options are. I think a lot of brands out there are starting to see the value of, you know, lifestyle and as you say, relationships and having a good hair day as opposed to a bad hair day. Um, <laughs> oh, I love the hairdresser. <laughs> so um, I love that um because I, I do have to say you're a really good writer, um, Julia, and um, oh, I, I love the title that you use, How to Be a Huggable Brand on Social Media. Um, can you give us your thoughts? How did you come to write that blog? And you know, can, how can you achieve and increase that engagement as a small business, as a huggable brand? Okay, thank, that's a great question. Thank you. The, um, the blog originally came from me having read one of Mark Schaefer's posts and also his book. Now, Mark Schaefer is one of my marketing heroes, and I would suggest to everybody that you just go out there and consume his blog, which is known as um, Grow on his Mm -hmm. site, markschaefer.com, or any of his books. I'm staring at one right now as I'm looking across the room. Um, Marketing Rebellion is absolutely brilliant, and it's all about being much more human Mm -hmm. in our marketing. Mm but he's got a book out prior to that as well called Known, which is all about actually building up your own personal brand as well, which is which is going to be more and more important actually as time goes by. But in some of his blogs and also in his book, Marketing Rebellion, Mark talks about a hotel that he checks into 
when he's had a really long journey, he's completely exhausted. He hasn't had anything to eat or drink for hours. And I think it's pouring with rain as well. And he walks into this hotel where he, that he's used quite a few times when he's been off working. And the receptionist sends up a plate of cheese to his room or something really, really lovely like that. And the next day when he checks out, the receptionist comes out and gives him a hug. And as Mark then says, you know, that's going completely above and beyond anything that might be expected of usually a fairly sort of faceless corporate hotel brand. And he loved it so much. He wrote a blog about it and um, the boss of this lady got to hear about it and she got called in and she got praised. And I think she got an award or something within the organization for, for going above and beyond, which was lovely, but it's also recorded in his book as well. And I just, and he was talking about how memorable, of course, that brand is to him, how he goes out and talks about it. So Mm. we all now know about that brand, but also how he will probably never book a hotel with any other hotel chain now, because the loyalty of, that he now feels towards that brand is huge. And I was thinking, well, how can we build up that same type of feeling on social media? What can we be going out and doing maybe as brands and businesses that would encourage people to feel like they could give us a hug? So there's all the stuff that we've been talking about um, going out there and, and being human, which would lay the foundations for that. But I think next level up from that are things like, going out there as a brand or a business and looking or listening or watching to whatever it is that your followers are sharing on social media and replying to that or sharing that on. I mean, how amazing is that going to make your audience, your community feel when they see that you're out there sharing pieces that they've put out there that they haven't tagged you in at all? Mm -hmm. Um, That does make you feel, wow, you know, this this brand values me, it values what I've put out there. I mean, I had it myself. I put out something about, oh, pancake day was trending. So I put out something using the hashtag back on Shrove Tuesday. I can't remember what it was, talking about flavors of pancakes or something. And Salesforce, I think it was, this uh, software that large B2B companies tend to use, don't they? actually picked up on my tweet and they just started engaging with with me off the back of it. And we ended up having this conversation that went backwards and forwards about three or four times about pancakes and flavors of pancakes and stuff. And, you know, I thought, wow, that's huge. I'm probably never going to use this software, but the fact that six months on, I'm still talking about it, you know, it made a real impression on me. Um, And I had the same when I traveled out of Heathrow. I shared some photos of Heathrow looking lovely. I didn't, um, at mention them or anything on Twitter, but they came back, they retweeted my photo, they asked me where I was going, they showed an interest. And I thought, how amazing is that? I matter. And that's the thing. If we can um, make yeah. people feel like they matter mm-hmm. to us, even a tiny little bit, they are far more likely to feel that loyalty to us and to really accelerate that feeling of building mm-hmm. a relationship with us. So yeah, it's not necessarily always the things that are easy to do. And it's not necessarily always the things that are scalable to use that horrible marketing world. Mm -hmm. It's those personal um, little interactions that we can put out there that are really going to count. So treat others how you would would love to be treated. We're all all customers, whether you're a business or not. You're a customer of someone else. Exactly. What's made you feel special in the past and the engagement you've had on social media? Try and do the same for somebody else. Yeah, I'll do that rest of today. I'm going to go around and talk to everybody. And talk about cakey, Maria, and bacon and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> I might. I might. Um, I know. Um, you probably heard of a uh, uh, Jay Bear as well. Probably. Julia. Oh yes, yes, yes. Uh, similar to Mark Schaefer, very smart and uh, yes. excellent author as well. He had um, an excellent book as well called uh, Utility. Yes. In the same type of vein as uh, kind of hotels, essentially being like, you know, useful to their customers, you know, um, um, but he kind of coined that phrase, uh, hug your haters, you know, yes. in a different mindsets, you know, to say, mm. you know, kind of trying to engage with people who are maybe disgruntled or whatever, yes. you know, and trying to turn them around. Um, but I suppose like, you know, within social media, something that a lot of people have said to myself and Emer that at times can be a bit of a, uh, 
I suppose, a, um, a sticking point is obviously organic content is important, but we have seen the way social media has become a bit of a, a pay for play to a certain, um, and that's say investing and paying for ads like Facebook. Um, like in your experience, what would be maybe some kind of ways to maybe making the most of your return on investment with say paying for ads? Well, I deal a lot with small business owners or small marketing teams in larger businesses. So for a lot of people, just um, bandwidth, and I don't mean internet, I mean kind of the amount of brain power that can be put into any one thing is limited and the amount of time and resource to create images or videos or anything else. Plus marketing budgets tend to be quite tiny as well. So. I say to get the best results out of Facebook ads for that kind of business, we want to be thinking about the simplest approach possible that's still going to give results. So for me, I would always suggest to people, if they can use video in their Facebook ads, then brilliant. Because if you can get people watching a video, and particularly if you can put yourself on video, not everyone's going to feel comfortable, but particularly if you can, you can immediately be creating that instant relationship building, little burst of energy, can't you? That someone can get, even maybe just from watching you on video for five, 10 seconds, it's not going, it's not got to be a massively long experience, but all of a sudden you're there in front of them in their newsfeed. If you can be creating videos that actually share something of value as a small business, and whether we like it or not, we're all experts in what it is that we do. A lot of small businesses think, oh, but what could, you know, what could I actually be sharing? Well, you're an expert in what it is that you help people with or that you mm. actually do. So creating a little video that might share one tip, for example, running that as a Facebook ad on a regular basis and using the video views option, which is the cheapest possible option right now, is gonna get is gonna build your brand recognition, your brand visibility straight away. It's going to encourage people to see you as an expert. People are gonna know what it is that you're about, what it is the offer. If you weave through um, how you actually work or your values or whatever, then people will get to understand those as well. Mm-hmm. And they will start, they may well not watch the videos in the beginning, but those people who are interested will start to watch more and more of your video. And you can see that by popping into the insights as well. So using a budget of like £10 and running one of these ads, say, once every week, you can really start to make an impact quite quickly, especially if you're just targeting your local area, which is what a lot of businesses would want to focus on anyway. Mm. And then the next step up from that would be to think about maybe building a custom audience of the people who have watched your videos, because Mm. then you know that they are people who have already taken on board some of your messages. And you can then run an ad Mm. to all the people that have watched your videos so that you know that they have already built up a little bit of that know, like, and trust. So you could then be serving them a message which encourages them to take the next step with you. And that might not be to buy anything, I hasten to add. That might be to go and check out a blog on your website or maybe to sign up for a webinar that you are doing or something like that, or maybe a fun thing like a contest or something like that. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. the idea of using Facebook ads just to build that brand identity and then to take the next step. If you're not confident about taking the next step, then just doing that cycle of video ads is going to get you known in your local community because so many people won't be doing that at all. Mm. So, uh, yeah, it's like, you know, look up who your audience is and try and be strategic with your targeting. And as you say, be consistent every week and you'll start to see things. Um, That's great. Um, Time has come. Unfortunately, it's starting to go on us. And I just wanted to know, do you have any last tips you could share with us that we can help businesses stay motivated with social media? Because sometimes you go, oh, uh, I don't want to post something today or, you know, I'm too busy doing other things. Is there something that you can share, Julia, to keep them motivated? First off, I'd say don't beat yourself up if you miss a day when you haven't posted anything. I think that's so easy to do and I've done it to myself as well. And then you end up going down this like spiral and it doesn't help Mm. anybody. Mm. So say you missed a day, nobody's died at the end of the day. (laughs) So let's just forgive ourselves 
and move on. If you want to stay motivated, if you haven't got anything in your content calendar to post, you haven't had a chance to put together a plan, go onto whatever social media network it is and just think about a question that you could ask that would just start a conversation Mm. in real life and see what responses you get back from people, from real people. And I find more than anything else, if I'm finding um, a social maybe a little bit hard work, the thing that gets me going again is actually getting a a response from somebody having a little chat or a little conversation. So go out there with the the sole purpose Mm. of trying to just start a little conversation. And then you suddenly think, oh my gosh, social is allowing me to speak to people in a way that I wouldn't be able to otherwise, unless I jumped on the phone and called them up and no one actually answers the phone. Isn't it amazing? Yeah. <laughs> the old phone call, huh? Amazing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's yeah. call people. <laughs> How many people call. hate the phone? It's um, so funny. I saw um, a conversation on Twitter the other day about using the phone and just like everybody said, but I hate using the phone. I'm really scared of using the phone. It's so funny. I thought it was just me, but it's a thing. <laughs> oh, it is a thing. Yeah, I'm not fond. You know, you'd rather send a text than ring, you yes. know, that way. So, yeah. Yes. <laughs> In a previous life, I used to do cold calling on the telephone. So, uh, <gasps> oh. That's where I developed my thick skin, you know, because I got so so much abuse down the phone. I did that. I did that for a week. I spent the last summer holidays at uni out in the States. And one of the jobs I managed to pick up was doing cold calling for a stationary company, but I only lasted for a week. Yeah, not good. Sell me this pen, Julia. Sell me this pen. (laughs) I had to ring these people up. What they wanted me to do was to ring these people up and pretend that they placed an order already and then like try and get details of this order that they'd allegedly placed and just kind of almost trick them into placing this order. It was was vile. Turn my stomach. Oh, gosh. So after that, I got a job in Banana yeah. Republic in Greenwich Village when they were just starting up, and that was much more fun. Ah, that yeah. does sound more fun. Um, well, Julia, it's been great talking to you today. This is my first, obviously, time to get to chat and talk to you, so it's been a pleasure. Uh, thanks <laughs> Thank so much for you. joining us today. Um, <laughs> if, if people want to find out more about you, and where would you like them to go? Oh, you can find me on social media anywhere. I love a, I love a chat on social media, so I'm at Julia Bramble on Twitter and Instagram, and you can find me on Facebook similarly, or my website is bramblebuzz.co.uk. I want to say thank you so much, Julia. It's been great having you on. Um, I love the um, the stories and uh, hearing all those great tips. So um, it's thank you very much for sharing with us all those amazing insights because sometimes you don't get motivated to keep going. And I think you've given people a lot of food for thought keep going so that's brilliant thank you so much it's been such fun yeah well well, definitely we will uh, we will get you back on again Julia oh that'd be fab as a later stage to chat again Uh, so yeah (laughs) so definitely um, so I suppose for our listeners all I have to say now is if you enjoyed today's show you can catch it again and the other shows on the Let's Get Social show Podbean iTunes Spotify and of course on Dublin South FM's website so please do download and subscribe And until next Friday at 2pm, I've been Philip Twyford, the Curly Marketer. And I've been Emer Duffy of Fit Social Media, your social media person trainer. We'll see you next time for more Let's Get Social. Bye.